Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open up the U version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures have already been uploaded in there. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures on the screen wherever it is that you're watching us from. I love you, I'm so grateful that you are a part of our family. You know, in the midst of everything that's been going on, I decided to just slow it down even more to try to squeeze every little bit of juice we can from these passages. So today, I wanna continue talking about the when. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for all that you're doing, all that you're going to do. God, we're grateful for all of the changes that you've made in our lives and all the changes you're gonna continue to make. Thank you for your peace that surpasses all understanding. I pray today that our hearts would be changed, that our minds would be changed, that our lives would be changed. Help us be more like you, in Jesus' name, amen. So last week, I talked about how Paul went to Athens, and even though he didn't intend to, or or maybe even want to, he decided to tell the Athenians about Jesus. And so in that decision, he decided to take the natural route. He went to his fellow Jews so that he he could recruit their help. But he was met with resistance. His fellow Jews, they were apathetic to the condition of their surroundings. They were aggressive in their response to Paul. And when I read that, I thought, "Mm, don't let me be that way, Jesus. Don't let me ever become apathetic towards the people around me. Don't ever let me become aggressive in the way that I treat people who aren't like me. And so Paul, he stood firm in what it was he knew that God had called him to, and he took to the streets. And when he took to the streets, he encountered two groups of people. He encountered the Stoics, and the Stoics believed that your soul lives on in eternity, and that that the soul is preserved by your good works on earth. He also encountered the Epicureans. They believe that your soul doesn't live on, and so tomorrow doesn't matter, eternity doesn't matter, and so because those things don't matter, they lived by a different philosophy, a different theory than everyone else, and they lived by this philosophy that said, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But both groups of people, even though they believe different things, they're both put off by Paul. And so because they're put off, they say this. What's this gutter sparrow with this scrap heap learning trying to say? And in their misunderstanding of him, they do everything they can to berate and belittle him. How many of us do that to people that we don't understand? We berate them. We belittle them. But Paul's not put off in his encounter with them. He endures 
three stones. And I want to talk about those stones today. First, he endures the stone of shame, quite literally. Like when he's brought before them to talk about what he believes, he has physically stood on what was called the stone of shame. And he was shamed by the Stoics. He was shamed by them because to them, he didn't think enough about his works here on earth. If he did, he wouldn't be preaching on the streets alone. If he did, he wouldn't have been alienated or abandoned by his own people. But then he's also shamed by the Epicureans and he's shamed by them because he obviously wasn't enlightened. He was too uneducated or misinformed to be able to align with their rivals, the Stoics. And he obviously couldn't align with them because he was too ignorant to even be living life for today. If he was living for today, why would he be wasting his time on the streets? Both of those reasons were why they brought him to the hall of debate. And they didn't have him there to make progress because neither side believed in making converts. Sounds a little bit like social media, doesn't it? Anyway, neither side believed in making converts. They both believed that a man's beliefs were his own private business. And so Paul's in a catch-22. No matter how he responded, he was going to be shamed by both sides. And you ever feel like no matter what you do, you're going to be shamed by someone? Like mask or no mask, sheltering in place or going out in public, post or not post. By supporting one group, you're rejecting another. Gathering or not gathering. I can feel that last one. And I don't know if you heard this, but, but just this past week at a church in Sheboygan, they, they began gathering again and, and there was an outbreak within their church. And so now all of the congregants at that church, they are being required to be quarantined for the next 14 days. Or, or I have a friend at another church and, and they began meeting again and, and they did everything that they could do. They, they sanitized everything. They, they put their chairs at a, at a safe distance and all the volunteers, they, they all wore masks and they had the hand sanitizers positioned around the building. And even with that, he's been getting emails from both sides. He, he's getting emails from some people who, who say, I can't believe that you're not requiring everyone to wear a mask and you're, you're positioning us to become sick. And then he's getting emails from the other side, from people who are saying, I can't believe that you're having all of your volunteers wear masks. All you're doing is brokering and fear mongering. And when you put that out as a display, it just feeds into this system that says that we need to be afraid. And like, like he's trying y'all. But do you ever feel like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't? So you freeze up, you go silent, you just go internal. Have you ever been made to stand on the stone of shame? You were made to stand on that stone because of what you look like or what you sound like, what you think or believe, what you're doing, what you've done or where you came from. And like when I got here to Green Bay, I had just come out of a season where I had been forced to stand on the stone of shame. I mean, I had gone through a really difficult time and, and then I had to go through a season of counseling and I, I had to go through a season 
of restoration. And even though I had done those things, I was coming out of a season where I had been shunned, where I'd been put in the penalty box, where I'd been run out of the ministry. And even though I took all the steps that were necessary for the healing that I needed, I was still filled with shame. There was this pastor from the denomination that I'd been shamed by who wanted to have lunch with me. And I'm sure he had good intentions, but but after all of the niceties were done, it really felt like he was just kind of mocking me. Like, I just want you to know that I'm with you, brother. Just felt like I was being demeaned. Now, ironically, that same guy ended up attending our church in his own time of need because even in the shambles of my shame, I refused to buckle, refused to bend and believe that a man's beliefs are his own private business. Y'all, a person's beliefs are not their own private business. They are a matter of life or death. They have eternal consequences. That's why we're asking you to do a pocket church. It's not just because we don't wanna meet in a large gathering. It's not just because we're fearful of COVID. We're asking you to do a pocket church because we want you to bring people into your circle of influence, into your own realm so that they can feel the Jesus that's inside of you. It's why Paul said, I've become all things to all men so I can win some. He knew what he looked like, sounded like, and what he thought. He knew what he was doing, what he'd done, and where he'd come from. He had come from the road to Damascus, where he was pursuing Christians to murder them. But he also knew that he'd been delivered from that murderous spirit. And the deliverance from that murderous spirit and that encounter on the road to Damascus, it brought him to the place he was in the intellectual capital of the world with an opportunity that no one had ever had before. And so he was willing to stand on the stone of shame while his accusers with their limited knowledge who thought they knew all there was needed to know stood on the second stone, the stone of pride. And while they were standing in their position of pride, they mocked him and they tried to manhandle him intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. You ever feel like people have tried to manhandle you intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually? Told you you're fat or ugly, stupid or lazy, worthless, or that you'll never amount to anything? They categorized you. They positioned themselves in a place of superiority and you in a place of inferiority. And I've been there. But unfortunately, I was the one standing on the stone of pride. A number of years ago, I had this amazing opportunity that presented itself to me. And, and you know, at the time, I, I was traveling and only preaching, preaching at churches, preaching at conferences and events. And I got booked to preach at an event called the Pennsylvania District Assembly of God Youth Convention. And, and it was the largest event that I had ever spoken at up to that point. It was held in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the Hershey Arena. And the, the coordinator of the event told me before the event that there were over 10,000 people that were registered. And that I was super excited. And when I went backstage for the first service, I, I remember I met the the band that was gonna be leading worship and, and they were like super famous at the time. They, they were one of the biggest groups 
in Christian music and they had like a green room set up back there for us and it was dope. It was like we were these like huge celebrities and, and I remember hearing the murmur of the crowd. It was, it was like a dull roar. I'll never forget that sound. And, and then the band went out and man, they crushed it. And then once the band was done, all the all the lights went down and 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 kind of like we do here at Life Church, you know, the, like a video came up and and there's like this huge, like really dramatic <laughs> introduction of me. I felt like Hulk Hogan and all my little Hulkamaniacs were running wild. And I walked out on that stage and there was one single spotlight that followed me all the way to the front of the stage. You know, speaking in an arena is different than anything else I'd ever experienced. You, you stand at the edge of the stage and you look out and you know there's thousands of people there, but you can't see anyone. You're literally looking out into outer darkness. And I remember standing there and having this feeling come over me that I, I had never really recognized this feeling before. I've, I legitimately felt like, yeah, I belong here. Like, like weirdly, I thought this must be what Joel Osteen feels like in front of his 16,000 people every service of every Sunday. And I, I remember going, yeah, man, ain't no problem, man. I could do this. I could do this every Sunday. And I heard these voices in my head like, this is what you're going to end up doing for the rest of your life, speaking in front of arenas. And, and as I began to deliver my message, I, I knew I was killing it, y'all. Like, I, I was... I was speaking like I had never spoke before, but what I can tell you is that I had spoke that message many times before. That's like what I did when I was an evangelist. I speak the same messages and you get really good at those messages. You should after you've, you know, spoken them 20 times. Now I remember just feeling like overwhelmed with this confidence. And then I gave the like altar call and and like thousands of people left their seats and walked down and they crowded at the front of the stage and they're giving their life to Jesus. And then the band came out and Gunger played like, you know, one of his huge hits. And I walked backstage and the, the guy coordinating the event met me there. He's like, bro, that was so sick. It was like a high five. And like all these youth pastors from different churches who had gotten like backstage access, they were back there and high five and everybody wanted to be around me. and. So I kind of got through the crowd and I remember I walked up to Pastor Sonny and she had this look in her eyes. It was like she was looking into my soul. And she said, that's terrible. You didn't pray before you went out there, did you? She kind of shook her head. She said, you just been full of pride. Just walked away. And I've never forgot how it felt to have someone who knew me at my core, be able to recognize when rather than operating in the humility that I was supposed to, I was operating in pride. And you know what? I've known far too many Christians who've stood on the stone of pride with me, who posture and preach like they have all the answers, who think they're saved while you're not. But in the end, when they try to read their earthly resume, Jesus is gonna respond, depart from me, I never knew you. Or I like how the contemporary English version says it, that he will respond, get out of my sight, you evil people. And I wonder, what's he gonna say about you? I think you better ask yourself which stone you're standing on. 
Because you know, I've learned the only way to get off the stone of pride is to recognize pride for what it really is. It's really just insecurity. And insecurity is really just fear. Where's your fear causing you to live in pride? For the Stoics and the Epicureans, they had become totally unteachable. And even though they were hearing a speech from one of the greatest speakers the world would ever know, with the greatest message the world would ever know, they were closed off and calloused. And so finally, knowing that he wasn't going to sway them off their stones, Paul moves on and he goes to Corinth, where he metaphorically stands on a third stone, the stone of loneliness. And I've spent most of my life standing on this stone. I've spent most of my life struggling with loneliness, even while surrounded by crowds. I mean, I was the only one who looked like me growing up. I was the only one who acted like me in college. I was the only one who thought like me when I got into the ministry. Like, like the only one who said, so what if people look like that or think like that or were born like that? I don't really care. How are we gonna save them when we're isolating or alienating them? How are we gonna save them when we've stopped listening? And what that ended up doing was alienating and isolating me. And that alienation and isolation disillusioned me from the church. It drove me to destruction and it deepened my depression. It deepened me to depression to the point that I needed to, to be medicated, that I almost lost everything. And I wonder, have you been there? Have you dealt with shame? Have you dealt with pride? What about loneliness? No matter where you find yourself standing today, you are not alone. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he wants to use you to be all things to all men so you may win some. Like Jesus told us to be salt and light. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Be salt and be light. You know, salt preserves and light illuminates. And he will preserve you and illuminate you so he can use you to preserve and illuminate someone else. Sadly, throughout my life, I've stood on all these stones. Sometimes, all at the same time. And all of those stones hurt in their own significant way. But when I came out the other side, it was crystal clear to me. I knew I wanted to become all things to all men so I could win some. I knew I wanted to be salt and I wanted to be light. I knew I wanted to be used to preserve and illuminate, to become less like me and more like Jesus. And I want the same thing for you. But do you? Maybe you do. But you feel like you can't. And you feel like you can't because you're stuck on one of these stones. 
Well, when you're stuck on a stone, there's really only one solution, and his name is Jesus. The one who won't leave you on that stone alone. He'll, he'll climb up on that stone with you, not to join you in your mess, but to talk you off the ledge. He'll talk you off that ledge because if anyone is in him, they become a new creation. The past is forgotten and everything is made new. That's what salvation is. It's becoming a new creation. And can I tell you, we need that today more than ever. Will you do that? Will you come down off the ledge of whichever stone you find yourself on? And will you allow him to make you a new creation? Whether that's making you a Jesus person for the very first time, or whether that's shifting, whether that's fixing, whether that's changing all of the things that you've thought were from him that really were from just you. Will you let him make you a new creation that will take you off the stone of shame or off the stone of pride? Because can I tell you, standing on either one of those stones positions you on the stone of loneliness. Would you close your eyes? Before we get to the receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I just felt like God was like, bro, we gotta deal with the people who think they're saved but really aren't. In the end, Jesus said there is going to be a separating of the sheep and the goats that many will say that they thought they knew him, but in the end, and that word many, it is ominous. And so today, I believe that there are many who are watching this, who, who have used their salvation experience as a, as a position of power over people who haven't, who've become such a religious spirit. And it's time for that to change. It's time for us to become less like us and more like Jesus. And so if you're watching this and you say, Sean, I am standing on the stone of pride. Friends, it's time to come off the ledge. And so can I pray for you, God, today for my friends who are watching this, who have positioned themselves in a place of superiority and positioned others in a position of inferiority. God, humble us. You said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and you will lift us up. And so today for my friends, I pray that you would humble them, whether they have determined that they are superior in what they do, in who they are, in what they think, or what they believe. Shatter the pride and break our hearts for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name, amen. But maybe you're watching this and you say, Sean, I haven't been on a stone of pride because I've been on a stone of shame, or I've been on a stone of loneliness. And you say, today I need to be transformed, I need to become a new creation. The good news is scripture says that if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe it in your heart, you will be saved, you will be changed, you will become a new creation. And so today I wanna to give you an opportunity to do that and here's how. I'm gonna pray a few words of a prayer and then I'm gonna pause. When I pause, if you repeat those words and you mean them, you will be saved you will be changed. So if you wanna receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, would you repeat these words after me? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you come into my life 
Will you change me, make me new, make me a new creation? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. I'm so grateful that you've just become like my brother or you've become my sister in Jesus. And so I want to connect with you. I want the opportunity to follow up with you and to help you take the steps to become a fully devoted person of Jesus. And so if you'll click that link that said that you are choosing to follow Jesus, that you're raising your hand, we want the opportunity to connect with you. And listen, before we go to worship, we've also provided some discussion questions and we've been doing them in our home and they're so dope, they're so amazing. And so don't forget to do that. It's gonna help you process this on an even deeper level. I love you, I'm so grateful to you. Will you worship with us? Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.